This is Winning IR, a podcast exploring the diverse insights within the IR community. Join me, Mark Faskin, as I sit down with IROs and other IR stakeholders to discuss the winning strategies, tactics, and shifts in thinking that are redefining the profession. The small mid-cap landscape has changed drastically in recent years, and targeting is a top concern for many companies looking to reduce stock volatility, build new relationships, and grow their company. Today's guest is Jonathan Patterson, the founder and managing partner of Harbor Access Investor Relations, a strategic partner to companies who exhibit robust growth prospects, solid management teams, and a strong, defensible market position. Jonathan has worked on both the buy side and the sell side at firms such as RBS, HSBC, and JP Morgan. He has run several successful corporate access desks during his career and has a virtually encyclopedic knowledge of the U.S., Canadian, and European investor base that helps him bring IR best practice into corporate management teams. In today's episode, we chat about investor targeting, the importance of consistency, social media's place in IR, and how small and mid-cap companies can be more effective in their investor targeting. Jonathan, I wanted to start off with what I would call a foundational question. We talk a lot about targeting on the podcast and, and at Irwin and within the investor relations community. But to do effective targeting, you have to have a strategy in place. And so what are some of the strategies that you believe a company has to have in place before they begin investor outreach and targeting? Yeah, it comes up often, Mark. I guess each company has their own kind of unique IR goals, which change over time with the company. So whether that's increasing liquidity, looking for additional volume, or perhaps they want to attract retail investors, or they want to narrow in on a specific institution. Regardless of the goal, setting out the objectives from the beginning, I think, is key before any targeting. You start with the targeting before any outreach should begin. And, and on that note, like what are some of the more common objectives that you find companies put in place? And I, I'll give an example we hear often is maybe we're trying to get investors with a different style, right? If we have a lot of high turnover investors, we're trying to get some more low turnover investors. We see a lot of, or hear a lot of talk about focusing on certain geographies. Are there other objectives that you're hearing often? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a lot that we'll come across is perhaps that we're refreshing IR program where we'll come in and perhaps that they're looking to increase the institutional shareholder base. Historically, over the past couple of years, we had a lot of companies come into the market via a SPAC. You know, typically, they don't have institutional investors or, or a large base of institutional investors. So again, increasing that liquidity and that volume, we want to look for perhaps family offices, hedge funds. I hesitate to use the term, but sort of faster money institutions that are looking to make an investment in an industry or in a certain sector. So again, when we would look to target hedge funds or family offices, we would turn that tab on. And we obviously are looking for active investors rather than passive. The other key is just simply management being able to talk about the story so we can go out and we can target all of those investors. But you know, one of the litmus tests is if you ask a CEO, what does your company do? And they struggle to tell it in the sentence, it's not going to make a, a successful uh, meeting with an investor. So again, just establishing all of that, that IR program before you start targeting and then looking at the, the geography, the industry, you know, the certain specifics of investors that 
that we've spoken to over time that we know that they're looking for an investment in that industry and just overlaying that with, with the classic targeting approach. Yeah, that's great. And, and I know you work with a lot of small mid-cap companies who are just sort of building up their industrial relations program. And, you know, targeting is obviously different for some of these smaller organizations. To your point, they're, they're not just going to be focused on some of these very large institutions. And so you mentioned a few things there, sort of the geography, the type of investor, you know, family offices and things. What does your team consider first when creating that initial targeting list? And what are some of the things that you think are most important for that sort of small and mid-cap company to consider? Yeah, it's, well, I guess, first off, Mark, we, we've got to consider what is small cap. Um, you know, my day, small cap was anything up to a uh, billion dollars. Uh, small cap seems to have got even smaller, and now we have nano and micro. So again, just the ability for that investor, whether it's a hedge fund or, or a long only, for that investor to come down the market cap scale. And then you've also got to, to look at the volume of the client that you're working with. If uh, you're working with a family office that take, typically takes a $2 million position, how long is it going to take that person to build up that position? So again, using the Irwin system, looking at the assets under management, looking at, you know, do they have high turnover? Do they have low turnover? Have they invested in some of the peers? Are all certain topics that we look for? And then also just knowledge. Having met with investors throughout the US and Canada, we know that certain investors have uh, a greater appetite to invest in, in sort of smaller cap companies. They're chasing that performance, that that uptick, you know, smaller cap companies, the price will typically appreciate much quicker. So you've got a lot of family offices and hedge funds that are looking for that, they're chasing that performance so they can manage the fees. In terms of, of, of the targeting, again, it comes down to, you know, what are the holdings? Are they interested in your sector? Have you seen a switch from one sector to another and an increase in the, the cash holding? So again, these are all sort of specifics that we look at in terms of small cap targeting. You mentioned just a little bit earlier, you said something to the effect of your knowledge from past meetings. Uh, and that's something that uh, is a big topic of discussion within the IR community is just for being able to track all those interactions and that can be useful when you think about targeting. And so when you think about cold outreach and sort of working with companies on cold outreach and targeting. How would you recommend IROs incorporate some of that existing data that they have into their investor engagement strategies? And like, what is that data, right? Like, I mean, obviously they've had meetings, they've gone on roadshows. Like, how do you incorporate that so that you can be more effective? Yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to understanding who's likely to take a meeting. I mean, you may reach out to someone at Cold Outreach and you may say they're an investor, look, we have this company XYZ on the road. Would you be interested in a meeting? They may come back and they say, look, it's the middle of earnings season. I don't have any interest. The key to successful IR is being organized. It's, it's taking note of that, that it wasn't a flat out rejection. It wasn't a no, we don't invest in that market cap size. We don't invest in that industry. Flagging that, using a database and actively managing the database. So sometimes the I guess the negative comments can be just as helpful as the positive comments, but you've got to be very disciplined. So in terms of 
using a database, using that system to track all of your interactions, being disciplined. If you're fortunate enough to work in a team, making sure that everyone has access to that database. And every time you have an interaction, you log that interaction, good, bad, or indifferent. And that, in, in my opinion, is, is key. That follow-up. So if, if you have a meeting and in the meeting they ask for sales numbers or something that you just don't have, you, you know, you don't have to hand and you say, look, I'm going to come back to you, Mark. That's a great question. I'm going to follow up. Make sure that you flag it and make sure that you follow up. It's, it sounds easy to do. But the follow-up is so key to establishing that relationship. Those are great points. And I think that the organization consistency is one that, that we hear a lot. I was actually at the, uh, the IRMEG. They did a small camp forum in New York a few weeks ago. And th- this was a topic of, of sort of follow-up and targeting. Just out of curiosity, sort of top of, I'm putting on the spot here, but when you think about outreach, what would you say the response rate is on the emails that you're sending out to investors? So you're working with a team, you send out a hundred targeted emails to investors. How many of those investors do you think come back and actually are interested in a meeting at some point in time? Can I, can I answer with a question, Mark? Can I come back? Do you mean on my first email or on the second email or on the third email? Oh, great, because, great, great point. Because <laughs> that, that first email, I would say, let's say you send out I don't know. Let's make the maths easy. You send out 10 emails. You're probably going to get two that say, thanks for the invite, no interest. You're going to probably get two out of the office. So that then takes you down to six. You're going to get two that say, yeah, I'm interested. And then the rest is just no response. We typically then will follow up afterwards, just following up to say, look, you know, we, we saw that we just want to make sure that you see this email. We'd maybe do it later in the day if we sent an email out earlier in the morning. So trying to ca- capture that kind of that investor later in the day, that first email, it, it, I would say it's, it's pretty low batting averages on that first. And then on the second, it gets better. And then on the third, you know, you're probably around 80% interaction with everyone that you've gone out to. The one thing I would say and stress is that if someone said that they're interested, stay with them. Investors have a very short attention span and say, yeah, sure, I'll take a meeting. Where is it available? Be ready to go with two or three different times. And, and sort of, I, I always keep the notepad beside me when, I'm, when I'm, we're working on a roadshow to, to keep the times that were available and just cross them off. It sounds super simple. But again, you've got that person's attention. You need to make sure that you kind of close that transaction and that you get them um, booked and that you're able to go in and, and meet with them. I think that that's a great point because that, that that was pretty in line with what we heard in at this at this IRMAG event where people were sort of saying like five percent response rate on the first email, maybe right that would be pretty good five responses in a hundred it's probably okay, but that the key to it was that consistent follow up right like having multiple touch points over the course of maybe weeks or months and it all depends on earnings and what's going on in that person's world and so. I think those are, those are really good points. I want to talk about social media a little bit because also I know you, you guys are pretty adept at using social media with your clients and it's a big focus in the small mid-cap world, both to attract retail or institutional. How do you use or think about companies using social media in their 
targeting strategies. Okay, so this is the bit where I have to full disclosure. I was somewhat anti-social media for the longest time, and I, I'm, I'm a convert. I think it has its place and its part in an overall IR strategy, but you've got to be a ducks in a row and creating that cadence. So making sure that if you're going to do something, you continue to do it. So very often we see a lot of in the small and the mid cap space management teams, I'm going to do a weekly blog. Week one goes great. Week two goes fantastic. Week three, it gets difficult to come up with a, a new idea. Same with social media. Don't be in a hurry just to post press releases. You, you actually need to have a plan. We know that investors will go to social media. They'll use that as a source of information. It will drive them to your website. So again, it's equally important to make sure that the website is, is buttoned up. So very often we come across new clients and we go onto the investor page and we'll see that the, you know, the date will be July, 2022 of the latest presentation. It's these small things that forget about. So when you're active on social media, you need to make sure that you establish a cadence. There was a recent survey that came out and said that about 81% have made a decision on an investment based initially sourcing information from a, a digital or a social media platform. So it is an incredibly powerful tool. And again, we see it as a gateway to driving to your website. So again, we always talk about just being consistent, reposting, liking, commenting, pulling in people that are experts within your profession or industry, tagging them. We're great fans of the likes of LinkedIn and Twitter, or as it's now known. We think that those probably are the, the better platforms for, for using for social media. How do you think about that intersection between social media and targeting? Like when I think about social media, I think what a lot of buyers think about social media, they think about you're posting and maybe it's building awareness and some people are seeing it, but then, you know, how does that relate back to, I have this targeted list of investors that I want to get a meeting with? Yeah. Uh, and it's, I'm not sure that there's any data out there that shows that the, the two are linked. What I will say, having been in a few investor meetings over my time, what's quite interesting is when you're sitting there and you turn to a specific page or a specific announcement, and then that investor then says, oh yeah, I saw this on your, your social media. So it's, it's definitely building awareness. And then it, it confirms that what you're doing is right when you're having comments from investors in meetings, or even you're having meet investors reaching out to you saying, hey, I just saw your latest post. Uh, we're invested in this sector. We'd love to have a conversation with you, our management available. So again, it's definitely that interaction from a targeting standpoint. I think if it, if it resonates with two or three investors that are, as we call it, rather than pulling, they're pushing into us. They're coming in to ask for meetings. I think it then helps fine tune that targeting that you're doing. Okay. This specific type of investor is now interested in us. We now pay, you know, perhaps the client pays a dividend. So we're now starting to see those, those income focused funds and perhaps we change the targeting accordingly. And one of the pieces of feedback I've heard, I don't know if I'd call it a piece of feedback, but maybe a concern around social media, I don't know if you've heard this as well, is companies and IRO teams, IR teams, perhaps feeling like it's 
too promotional, maybe not educational enough. Have you heard that? And, and how, do you, how do you think you balance those things? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the promo uh, trap, right? It's, you have a good set of numbers, so you're excited to highlight a specific fundamental in your numbers and you, you post it all over social media. And then the next quarter, you don't want to post that because it's not quite as good. Um, you know, our view is that you, anything that you put out as a publicly traded company, you need to ensure that you're complying with the rules and the regulations, just as you would with a press release, just as you would with any of your, your, your website or your investor presentation. I would say that social media has become much more self-regulated. A lot of the professional IR teams are making sure that they're in compliance with the, the fair disclosure, non-promotional, they're not misleading in any way that, that you're constrained with a certain amount of characters. So they're, they're actually using links or they're using diagrams or pictures to make sure that the reader understands and, and is not misled. That's the last thing that you want to do. But again, I think you just, you, you have to have in the back of your mind, you know, good governance, good disclosure and ensure that you're, you're not misleading uh, an investor in any way. I think that's right. And that, that your point on just using different forms of, of content, infographics and everything, video seems to be super popular. I've also heard a lot of talk about trying to leverage the social media channels to be educational about the sector, right? And educational yeah. about the company. So I think those are great points. So I want to go back. I've got a couple more questions here and, and we've, we've sort of touched on this one, but I want to get a little bit more specific. It goes back to the targeting list, right? We've got our strategy. We've got our list. We've sort of decided on a, on a group of investors that we want to reach out to. We talked a little bit about the response rate, but also that there needs to be multiple touch points. I wanted to kind of get a little bit more detail on that because sometimes I get the feeling as though people think I'm going to build a target list. I'm going to send out an email. And then I get a bunch of responses from people who want to meet with me, which is not realistic for the vast majority of, of companies. So what does a typical cadence look like for you? What would you recommend to an IRO who's saying, I've got a list, now what? Yeah, I mean, once you have that targeting list, there are different ways. It, it depends on what you're trying to achieve more, right? So yep, by all means, you can go out and you can blast it. Are there specific people in or, or organizations in that list that you really, really want to meet? Is it worth sending personalizing that email just a little bit more? We, we met at a conference three months ago. You asked us to follow up. We're following up. Your management's going to be in town or we're hosting virtual calls. Sometimes just offering that virtual call versus being determined that you're going to have an in-person meeting, I think helps. In terms of crafting that email, you want to make sure that, that you're introducing the company to an investor that perhaps hasn't met before. Again, think about all of the fundamentals of your company that you can put in there. Should you suggest to the investor why they should take a meeting? What, why is it important that they meet with your company now versus last quarter or the quarter before? It's tailoring that email to, to solicit a uh, call to action to that investor that you're sending out. And again, looping in the social media, perhaps 
a sell-side analyst has commented on a piece of industry news that you posted on social media. Again, reaching out to that analyst, creating that dialogue with the sell-side analyst saying, look, we're in this industry. We know that we're not going to get necessarily get coverage from our first interaction, but we're here. Let's develop a relationship. So again, using that, crafting that email, and then also not being afraid to pick up the phone, call someone, say, hey, I just sent an email. I know that you, you've had an interest in our company before our industry. We'd love to set up a call. So, you know, offering that sort of virtual Zoom call. Again, think about using virtual conferences. That, that's another great tool that you can think of in terms of we're going to be attending this conference and crafting that in the email and inviting that perhaps that new investor you've never met before. So they don't necessarily want to do a one-on-one, but they can hear management present in conference um, and then follow up afterwards. Yeah, that, so that first email, I think that's a great point in terms of deciding what it is that you're trying to do, right? And, and do you want to be really tailored and specific or do you just want to sort of blast everyone? Uh, you mentioned sort of picking up the phone and making a phone call. You mentioned earlier sort of following up. If you're sort of like what, what I feel most IROs are trying to do, which is I've got a target list, of, like a wish list of organizations that I would just love to meet with and, and have a conversation with. And they're going to meet with them at conferences and, and, and whatnot as well, probably. But is that like a touch point every month, every quarter after that first email? Is it like fast and furious? I'm going to email you 10 times in the course of a month. What do you think works best or is like not going to annoy people? Or do you play hard to get and just ignore them completely? And just ignore everybody. Um, Don't email anyone. (laughs) There's no hard and fast rule, Mark. I mean, unfortunately, in the life of a publicly traded company, you're going to have periods where it's fast and furious that you've got tons of news. You've got new deals coming through, new partnerships. You've signed new contracts. Then I would say it's, it's, it's kind of fast and furious, you're picking up the phone, you're saying, Hey, Mark, we met last month. I'm, I'm on the phone. I just wanted to let you know we signed that deal. From the pure targeting standpoint, I'm trying to remember the number. It was in a CFA event and they had uh, a portfolio manager from, from a large Boston uh, buy side firm. And he told us that by, it was something like eight o'clock. In the morning, his voicemail was full. And it was from brokers, it was from IR, uh, you know, IROs calling up to give news. And, and he said there was just no way to get through the voicemail. So, you know, I know that we're all desperate to get in front of investors. So sometimes maybe first thing in the morning doesn't make sense. It's really hard to say that it should be a week, it should be a month. It's just dependent on what's happening with your company, what news you have, or maybe something's happened with one of your peers in your industry and you you reach out. So I would be opportunistic in terms of creating that cadence or or that that frequency. If there's something happened within your industry that that you have something of value to share, then then I, I would reach out. It goes back though to your earlier point of being organized and making sure that when those opportunities come out, you have that list of people that you know you want to reach out to. You have the previous interaction information if you want to reference it. 
But I, I mean, I, I, I think that's a, a great way of approaching it is like reach out when you have something to say, not just like, hey, I'm following up, I'm following up, I'm following up because I don't think that anybody really wants that. My last question, and you know, I think you've, you've over the years done a lot of crafting of messaging and sort of pitches and everything. I want to talk about the, the email because, you know, even at Irwin, we've seen a lot of different email pitches, everything from a single sentence with a table of information all the way to what I would deem to be like a, sh- a short novel. What would you say is the kind of like the ideal structure of that introductory pitch email where it's like, I am reaching out to tell you about my company and here's just a quick snapshot that might garner some interest. Yeah, the, the magic email that, that gets you more more interaction with Southside. I'd base it on what would I want to read in my inbox. So, you know, I typically talk about what is happening. So our management doing a non-deal roadshow and they're going to be in New York City on a specific date and they're meeting with investors and the Southside community to give an update. So that's that that's that's what's happening. Then if it's a cold outreach that you, you don't know the investors. And by the way, this is our company. This is what we do. And then the fundamentals of the company. So the market cap, your ticker symbols. So if you quoted on an overseas exchange and then your US ticker symbol, the dates of the event, who the management team that's participating. And then I would even, I typically include um, a reason to take the meeting. We've just recently signed a new contract and it means X, Y, Z in terms of revenue going forward, or we've signed a new partnership and it's opened up a new geographical region for us. Um, again, a, a, a kind of call to action and then an offering, again, be flexible. You know, three years ago, it was all in person or four years ago, it was all in person. Now we can do a meeting in person, or if you prefer, we can, we can offer a virtual call. For me, the success is that I get a meeting, whether it be virtual or whether it be in person. And don't get hung up on trying to fill a day full of just in-person meetings. I appreciate that you possibly have spent money to travel there, but have the flexibility that perhaps you've not met this investor before and a 30 to 40 minute virtual call can be incredibly useful. So again, it's having that flexibility. But again, just a clear, concise What's happening? Who are you? Why should that person take a meeting and giving them an option, whether it be in person or virtual? Jonathan, this has been super helpful. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Mark. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Winning IR. For more winning ideas, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Irwin, a better way to manage investor relations. For more information, visit www.getirwin.com.